This is David Reinstein. I'm reposting uh, the value of money going to different groups by Toby Ord, the reading I did of that, this time without my commentary, or at least having removed most, if not all, of the commentary, so you can just hear the essay from start to finish in its original format. And let me know if this is helpful. I can do more of that on previous episodes, and I'm also thinking in the future I might do more in this format with, with trying to put in fewer comments that might distract from the flow of the essay, perhaps putting a little bit of commentary at the end. The Value of Money Going to Different Groups by Toby Ord, 16 May 2017, 20 upvotes, tags Economics, Global Health and Development. Podcast note, this is a short link post. I will read the post and then the link. I will probably skip the comments. The Value of Money Going to Different Groups by Toby Ort. We all know that an extra dollar is worth more to you the poorer you are. That's why it can be good to donate money to an organization like GiveDirectly, even when a few cents in the dollar get used up in transactions costs. But how much more is it worth? Economists have a good quantitative model of what is going on, which can able, enable us to make rough comparisons about whether, say, people on $1,000 per year would get more value from an extra $100 than people on $2,000 per year would get from $200. This can help us work out how much additional cost we should bear to get money to the very poorest people. It can also be useful for improving our thinking about the relative values of different financial flows, such as remittances and aid. It is easy to find out the sizes of these in dollars, but what about the size in terms of value to the individuals? If the individuals in one case are substantially richer, then this can really change things. I've written an article linked explaining how all of this works up on Center for Effective Altruism.org. Have a read and let me know what you think. Work written specifically on the CEA uh, research report web page. The value of money going to different groups, posted on Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017. Last update, Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. All right, some of this repeats what was in the post. It is well known that an extra dollar is worth less when you have more money. This paper describes the way economists typically model that effect, using that to compare the effectiveness of different interventions. It takes remittances as a particular case study. Header. Assessing the marginal value of an extra dollar. The poorer someone is, the more an extra dollar is worth to them. This effect is often taken into account by economists, particularly when analyzing how individuals assess risky situations. However, it, namely the differential marginal value of an extra dollar, is sometimes, sometimes it is not accounted for. Cost-benefit analysis is usually done without distributional weights. Economists model this effect using a utility function. The utility function defines a relationship between utility, parentheses, value to the individual, and the individual's consumption over a given time period. The utility function defines a relationship between utility, value to the individual, and the individual's consumption, uh, quote, over a given time period. Many different equations have been proposed for the utility function, but one common form is the 
isoelastic utility function. One common form is the isoelastic utility function. This equation has one free parameter known as eta, which sounds E for elasticity, which represents how steeply returns to consumption diminish. So the one free parameter, paraphrasing here, in the isoelastic utility function is eta, which represents how steeply returns to consumption diminish. In it. And it's, this is me saying here, this is particularly an elasticity parameter. Eta must be between zero and infinity and can be estimated empirically, the isoelastic utility function. The equation for utility u at a given consumption level c with elasticity eta is u of c is equal to, and there's a two-part equation, it's equal to c to the power 1 minus eta minus 1, consumption to the power 1 minus eta minus 1, all over 1 minus eta for values of eta other than 1. And because the above would be undefined when eta is equal to 1, it's just simply equal to the log of consumption when eta is set equal to 1. From this, it follows that for eta equals 0, utility is linear in consumption. So if eta is 1, utility is logarithmic. Sorry, if eta is 0, utility is linear in consumption. If eta equals 1 half, utility is the square root of consumption. And for eta equals 1, utility is logarithmic in consumption. Values of eta above 1 correspond to utility having a finite upper bound, which is approached hyperbolically as consumption increases. The main use of the equation is to just to compare the slope of the curve at one consumption level to the slope at another consumption level. For example, the ratio of the slope at $1,000 per annum to the slope at $10,000 per annum shows us the relative value of giving an extra dollar to someone with consumption $1,000 versus to someone with consumption $10,000. When performing this calculation, the equation is very simple. Giving a dollar to someone with k times as much consumption as someone else is worth only 1 over k to the eta power times as much. There have been many attempts to measure eta, and it has typically been found to be between about 1 and 2. If eta equals 1, then we have logarithmic utility of consumption, and we have the very simple rule that a dollar is worth 1 over k times as much if you are k times richer, and that doubling someone's income is worth the same no matter where they start. If eta equals 2, then we have to raise this to the power 2. So being 10 times richer would mean a dollar is worth just 1 over a hundredth as much, and doubling your income is worth much less the higher your starting income. The truth is probably in between these limits. When it's been estimated, he says, it's been found between typically 1 and 2. If eta were equal to 2, then being 10 times richer makes a dollar worth only one hundredth as much. So doubling your income is uh, worth much less the higher your starting income. He says the truth is probably in between these limits. 
When doing analysis, one could pick a preferred value for eta and run with that, e.g. eta equals 1.5, or do a sensitivity analysis by calculating both extremes. So one and two, I suppose. I will do the latter. Note that if one wants to allocate moral value to helping the worse off, i.e. prioritarianism, this can be achieved by increasing eta above and beyond the experimentally determined rate, e.g. by adding one to this. I think he's glossing over a lot here. Okay, he suggests by adding one to eta. I don't know why one, but that's a number. Next section, consumption multipliers. Table one shows the consumption levels of several different groups of people, alongside numbers representing how much more utility they gain from a marginal dollar compared to the gain for a median U.S. citizen. Okay, so here we see some key consumption levels, and he's trying to get at how much more they gain from the marginal dollar. Median U.S. group, median U.S. income, footnote four. Annual consumption, $21,000. Seems a bit low, but okay. Um, eta equals one, uh, one times, eta equals two, one times. So the baseline group is the median person with a median U.S. income. That's what he just said, compared to that. What about the U.S., someone at the U.S. poverty line? These are all footnoted. $6,000 annual consumption. Um, eta equals, with eta equals one, their consumption generates, their increase in their income generates three and a half times the value as for the increasing income of the median U.S. income person. In other words, the way I would like to state it, perhaps, is you'd have to give them, you'd have to give them one divided by three and a half. In other words, or less than a third of what you'd be given the person with median income to increase their utility by the same amount. So if you had to give the person with median income $10,000, you'd have to give this person around two or $3,000. What about if eight equals two? Well, then it's 12 times. In other words, give them a 12th as much. Mean income in Kenya, 1,400 US dollars. Eight equals one, 15 times as much. Eight equals two, 230 times as much. In other words, you could give them somewhere between a 15th of that amount and a 230th of that same amount to achieve the same benefit in terms of utility being better off as for some giving that to someone with the US median here stated as $21,000. So you get 200 between 15 and 230 times more bang for the buck by this guy. World Bank's international poverty line of $230, I guess per year. I think these are a little bit old because the, the thing was written a little while ago and probably citing slightly older data, but so you know, increase all of those numbers by a little bit probably proportionally. There 80 equals 1. 91 times the bang for the buck, 80 equals 2, 8,300 times the bang for the buck. That, est their estimation, the value of ADA you use matters a whole lot. Look at that, 91 versus 8,300. Give directly his average recipient, which is $180, has $180 income per year, with ADA equals 1, 120 times the amount. So that's kind of comparable to the internet average World Bank International Poverty Line person or the person at the international poverty line, I should say. So that's 91 times versus 120 times if we say 80 equals one, but if 80 equals two, it's 
14,000 times greater than giving some amount to someone with a median U.S. income, which is substantially higher than the 8,300 times giving to someone exactly at the international poverty line. And we could compare it to the median income in Kenya. Remember, that was 15 times versus 120 times with GiveDirectly's average recipients at 80 equals 1. With 80 equals 2, it's 230 times for someone with the median income in Kenya versus 14,000 times. So the differences there, or the differences and differences, seem to make a big difference. Continuing. In Doing Good Better, Will McCaskill talks of the hundredfold multiplier. This is a rule of thumb that giving money to people living in poverty does 100 times as much good, does about 100 times as much good as it would in the pockets of someone in the rich country. He considers this to be a baseline for how much good we can expect to do by donation. Well-targeted donations could get additional leverage on this. The factor of 100 is reflected above by the ratios of 91x and 120 times that we see in the bottom two rows, parentheses depending on how far below the global poverty line the recipient is. Note that it is only a factor of 100 when eta is about equal to 1, which was McGaskill's conservative assumption. For eta equals 2, it's a multiplier of about 10,000 two footnotes here. We can also use the ratios from Table 1 to roughly compare the value of programs to help people living in poverty within a rich country like the U.S. or to help people living in the poverty in the poorest countries. The U.S. poverty line is about 25 times higher than the World Bank's individual poverty line. Sorry, than the World Bank's international poverty line. Thus, if money was directly given to people at these incomes, one would expect it to go between 25 times, 8 equals 1, and 625 times, 8 equals 2, further if targeted at people in global poverty. Any particular intervention might be better or worse than a cash transfer by some leverage factor, but if we have no reason to believe these factors are generally higher for one type of poverty than the other, then this ratio is unchanged. And if we do have some information about which has higher leverage, I guess he means which gets at poorer people, this is simple to incorporate. This approach is very general and can be used in many different types of income impact evaluation. For instance, it could be used to compare the additional value of targeting the poorest people in the country rather than the median, showing you how to balance this advantage against the additional costs of that targeting. These ratios can also be used to adjust unweighted cost-benefit analysis, weighting each person's willingness to pay by the relevant multiplier. Leverage. Sometimes non-monetary interventions can help an individual more than a simple monetary transfer. The, quote, leverage of a particular intervention is its benefit-cost ratio, where benefits are assessed in monetary equivalence for a particular group. If the leverage of an intervention is greater than one, then it outperforms a monetary transfer to the affected individuals. Note that the idea of leverage is only defined relative to a particular income level. A particular case of examining leverage comes from an exercise done by GiveWell where its staff tried to judge the relative value of donating a dollar to give directly to that of donating a dollar to the Against Malaria Foundation, AMF. The median estimate was that the AMF program does about 2.2 times as much good per dollar while the highest estimate was that AMF is 13 times more effective, footnote 11. This suggests that AMF's leverage is around 2.2. 
Various meta charities have also compared their effectiveness to that of the charities they directly or indirectly raise for, since they are able to leverage donations to them by encouraging effective giving. Several such effectiveness estimates are summarized in the table below, although we should highlight that these estimates may not be very robust. And the footnote here says that note Nota bene also that these figures assume the average effectiveness tracked by these of donations tracked by these meta charities is equal to give directly's effectiveness. In in reality, many of them were to against malaria foundation and other charities that may be more effective than give directly. So the relative effectiveness for the meta charities may be underestimates. A full estimate would include an assessment of the meta charities' true leverage ratio and assessment of the efficacy of all the charities they diverted funds to. So here there's a table. Charity and relative effectiveness. Ver table two, various rough estimates of relative effectiveness of some key charities. Give directly, benchmark 1x. Against Malaria Foundation, median estimate 2.2 times. Giving what we can, parentheses, already donated to top charities, six times. The life you can save, nine times. Against Malaria Foundation, highest estimate, 13 times. Raising for effective giving, 2016 average fundraising ratio, 17 times. So far, we have introduced the idea of an income multiplier, as shown in Table 1, and a leverage ratio, as shown in Table 2. We can now combine these ideas. The value of a dollar to a particular intervention, relative to some baseline, is simply the consumption multiplier for the group it affects multiplied by the leverage ratio of that particular intervention. So effectiveness is consumption multiplier multiplied by leverage ratio. We can now apply this to make some comparisons between things on both tables. A dollar to give directly is roughly the same as a dollar to the typical person it serves. Parentheses, about 90% of donations go through to recipients and assuming that there is not too much variation in the consumption level of recipients. Now, we can use the fact that relative effectiveness is leveraged multiplied by consumption multiplier. A dollar to AMF is worth 10 times that of a dollar to give directly, which, on the assumption of ADA equals 1, is worth at least 120 times as much as a dollar in the pocket of a person at the US median income. Therefore, that dollar would create about 1,200 times as much value if donated to AMF, a hundredfold multiplier with a tenfold leverage. Case study, remittances. Remittances are transfers of money from foreign-born workers to people in their home country. The sort of analysis used above can also help us think about the importance of making remittances more effective. Table 3 shows the scale of some important global expenditures. Group and annual spend. Group. Global fund. Annual spend. $4 billion. I'm not 100% sure what global fund means here. DFID health spending. $3.5 billion. DFID total spending. $14 billion. Total aid. $160 billion. Total remittances, $436 billion. Many have noted that remittances dwarf all aid, 
at least in terms of the raw size of the monetary flow. Should individuals and groups like GiveWell and Giving What We Can focus more on them? We can use the earlier results to help with this. I don't know of any good figures for the consumption distribution of remittance recipients, but would be surprised if the relevant average, parentheses, which is not the arithmetic mean, footnote, the relevant average is somewhat complicated. If eta equals one, we should use the harmonic mean. Note in particular that not only the arithmetic mean, but also the distribution of consumption values should be accounted for. If so, he means if it's at least 10 times that average, then the total of remittances is worth the same as about 4 billion to 40 billion allocated through GiveDirectly. Thus, since total aid spending is around $160 billion, the mean value of aid dollars only needs to be something like 2.5 to 25% that of GiveDirectly for the value of aid to outweigh that of remittances. It seems likely that aid spending meets this bar, particularly since total aid spending includes a substantial amount of money on things that are much more effective than give directly. As an example, even just the $4 billion of aid that goes on the global fund only needs to be one or 10 times as effective as give directly to outweigh remittances. Therefore, it seems likely that total aid spending is worth at least as much as remittances are. We could also evaluate the size of benefits we could get by improving remittances, such as by eliminating remittance fees. The average cost of sending back remittances is about 8%. Thus, about $34 billion per year are lost to the poor in transaction fees, which could theoretically be reduced to near zero. Let us again assume the relevant income average of remittance recipients recipients is about 10 times that of give directly recipients. According to this estimate, the amount currently wasted in transaction fees is worth something like 340 million to 3.4 billion equivalent to give directly per annum, a very large amount, but smaller than it might have initially appeared. 